This is the Daily Technology Pulse Podcast. Welcome aboard. Welcome once again to the Daily Technology Pulse Podcast. This is Rick from Daily, bringing you another great episode. Today, we're going to be talking to CradlePoint. We're going to unravel some of the mystery about 5G and talk about how they've been successful implementing 5G in the transportation sector. But before we get to that, I want to remind you that Daily is your comprehensive technology solutions partner. We're local, we're trusted, we're proven, and we're valued. Let us show you the daily difference. Learn more by visiting our website at www.daly.com. Joining us today on the Daily Technology Pulse podcast, we have Ben Mobies. Ben is the Director of Public Sector for Southeast for CradlePoint. Ben, welcome to the Daily Technology Pulse. Thanks, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. And we're certainly glad to have you. Now, Ben, just for people who might be a little unfamiliar with CradlePoint, can you give us an overview of uh, the company and what they do? So we're a 16-year-old company based out of Boise, Idaho, and we're really a wireless WAN company. And, and what that means is we connect people and things to uh, whatever they need to be connected to uh, anywhere they might be. So using LTE and 5G uh, backbones, we provide that that source of connectivity. Now, how long have you been with CradlePoint? I've been here for two years and it's been an amazing time as, as 5G has really uh, exploded in actual use in the industry. Uh, and prior to coming here, I've been in the, in the wireless industry as a whole for about 25 years now uh, in all forms of, of the business from an end user myself a long time ago as a network administrator and then into sales and, and multiple manufacturers. It's it's a great sector to be in. And today, obviously, we're talking about transportation. And one of the things we want to talk about is why these municipalities should consider 5G connectivity on their transportation vehicles, whether it's a bus or a train or whatever it might be. I know last year the federal government really made this kind of a big priority. I mean, they announced a ton of funding. I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of $314 billion, with a B, dollars worth of government funding. And that's going to go on over the next five years for public and private transit because they're looking for them to update their technology and really help support those rider needs within their communities. What do you think is the role for 5G in this transportation initiative? It's an amazingly important part of, of an entire transportation network from you know, starting with the user themselves, right? The, the rider, they need to be connected. A lot of the idea behind uh, usage of transit authority networks is to to get people onto these networks and off of our roads to ease congestion. So we need things uh, like basic internet access so you can do work on that that train or bus or, or ferry, whatever that, that transit vehicle might be. And, and so it starts with something basic like internet access. And, you know, you would think nowadays, that, well, there's you know, strong cellular everywhere, but there's often not. And so by putting a cellular router from CradlePoint onto that vehicle, we get a very strong connection from outside and transform it inside to Wi-Fi that allows people to be securely connected to their network of choice and and get work done. Uh, it also then allows things like automatic vehicle location and fleet management software to run so that we know where all of our vehicles are and we can make sure that we, uh, we're tracking maintenance issues. 
all that is is tracking across that same network and uh, and things like automatic or contactless payments you know these are newer things that make it easier for me as a as a user of that that bus system or or train network to pay for that ride i don't have to always have you know my metro card with me i can just use my phone so it's it's really important to to make it easier for people to use these uh, these networks, and that's really driving most of the uh, the expenditures that are out there right now from the federal side. And you know, most people don't really think about that because when you think about wireless connectivity on transit, I immediately jumped to school buses because I know from my experience back in the day, I would do homework on the bus, and it's not exactly the neatest thing to do, at least back in my day, because we were doing everything with a paper and pen, but giving students the opportunity to connect to those devices, their Chromebooks or whatever devices they have that the schools are giving them, it really gives them another opportunity to do something when they're not within the school building. But then you talked about transit and payment, and you don't really stop and think that those payment terminals where you could just tap your phone, they all use that wireless connectivity and you really need it to be truly wireless when you're on a moving vehicle. Absolutely. And a lot of times uh, people are concerned, right, about having some of our payment information running on the same network as uh, as public Wi-Fi. And so you know, we oftentimes end up doing uh, what we call air-gapped networks, where we can have one router actually have two different cellular modems inside of that one box. And so we can segment completely these two networks. It's in the same box, but it's completely segmented apart from each other to where the payment information is on uh, one network, one SIM card, one modem, and all of our public Wi-Fi is on a completely separate one. You don't have to do it that way. Uh, we have some customers that set up VLANs and, and do secure tunnels for different traffic types, but we have others that require a completely air gap network and we can support either way. It's, it's, a, it's a great um, feature that allows people to build the network security level that they feel they need to, uh, to build to support the needs. And again, something that I didn't even think about. I never even gave security a thought when I was researching this topic before we had this conversation, but it really does make sense, especially nowadays where they're talking about the fact that obviously anybody can spoof a public Wi-Fi network. So being able to identify something that is strictly meant for payment purposes so that it's not going over a public Wi-Fi network that can be spoofed to me just makes all the sense in the world. It's becoming a scarier topic, you know, by the day as as cities and counties are uh, are hacked and ransomed. It, it's actually just unfortunate how often we do hear about it uh, that you know municipality A is hacked and and you know is completely shut down and can't can't do anything because of a, a ransomware attack. And so you do have to be very cognizant of that and, and build appropriate security levels. The irony is that typically, you know, the, the Wi-Fi on public transit is wide open. And, you know, it's it's hard to make it very secure to the end user and then also allow them to get on. <laughs> so so the 
the free public Wi-Fi on most buses and trains and ferries is an open uh, network, and we're relying on customers to use their own uh, their own security methods to keep themselves secure while they're on these networks. But the other part, the the parts that's for the transit authority themselves, has to be extremely secure. It, that can't be open because it just opens up too big of a hole potentially for for bad actors to to try to do something. So uh, as Create a Point, we take this extremely seriously and have layered on multiple layers of security from physical separation, these air gap networks, to, to highly secure systems, uh, like something we call uh, NetCloud Exchange and uh, the, the various security elements that we're tying into that. So obviously, on top of having that robust and secure wireless solution, the term 5G gets thrown around a lot. And I can remember when the first 5G phones came out and everybody was tripping over themselves to run to the store to get a new 5G phone because it was supposed to be better, faster. But being in marketing, I also know that a lot of that could be a little bit of hype too. So what would you say when you have customers that could potentially be looking at going to a 5G solution because they have something else in place now? or they don't have anything in place, what would you say that they need to know about 5G when they're being offered this type of solution? Yeah, 5G is really exciting for the industry as a whole. And and people uh, have been maybe a little misinformed because of exactly what you talked about with the handset side of the business. Uh, The reality is most of what we do on our handsets, uh, we really don't need that much bandwidth for, but we do need them inside of a a bus or a train. And most people think about download speeds and wow, I can get hundreds of megabits download. And and now I can, I can watch all these movies and play all these games, which is true. But from a business and, and municipal customer, what we're really more concerned with is upload. And so the older technologies, and it's really not that old, uh, but LTE, you know, there's a there's a finite amount that we can upload at a time uh, in an LTE network. Whereas when we jump to a fully uh, baked 5G network, and when I say that, I mean, it's 5G both down and up. And that's something I'll hit on in a little bit more in a second. What I can start to do now is is transport a lot more information out of the vehicle at one time than I could in the past. So for example, if I can now have, let's say, four or even eight cameras for security purposes on the bus, all in 4K video, before I would really struggle to get that kind of bandwidth out of a bus uh, that's moving over an LTE network, as well as support Wi-Fi and other factors. With 5G, uh, I can do that. Now, there's a caveat to that, and that is the 5G networks that are being built, the first way that most of our carrier partners are building them is in a, it's a one-directional 5G. So that means the download is 5G, but the upload is still LTE. And over time, so all the, the networks that were first built in 5G, you know, a year, two years ago, that was how they were built. Uh, as soon as we transfer the core of these LTE networks all the way to 5G, now we're doing 5G upload. And so that that's the transition that's finally happening now. And these 5G core networks allow uh, a vastly greater amount of bandwidth 
uploading versus just download. And so now those cameras, the uh, the people counters that are installed in a lot of transit networks, the contactless payment that we talked about, the automatic vehicle uh, locationing and, and fleet management uh, stuff that's inside of uh, buses and trains, other types of sensors for um, for other factors that are there. It's it's now possible to have hundreds of megs upload, uh, whereas before I might struggle with getting 10 to 20 megs of upload. So that's the big change. And it's the reason that we're so excited about it. It allows a transit authority to do so much more that they need to be able to do at the level and the customer benefits as well. The rider sees a lot more upload because because we're not just downloading music while we're on the bus. Oftentimes, you know, we're we're uploading large files. If you're truly working, you need the capacity to both download and upload. And that really takes me back to the days. I can remember I'm dating myself here, but that's quite all right. I don't mind dating myself. Back to the old cable modems, when the first cable modems came out, they were still dial-up or upload, but they were cable for download. So I could download a file relatively quickly for those days, two to three minutes, and I'd have a picture. But if I wanted to upload a picture, it could take an hour. And so really having that download and upload balanced like that, I again, to me, is just really valuable, like you said, particularly when it comes to those cameras. And I know cameras on school buses these days, they can be a great asset. I can remember a couple of times where I got a call from the school because an incident happened on the school bus with my kids. But the problem was you had to wait until the end of the day when all of the kids were dropped off and then the bus returned and then they could take the card out of the camera and put it to wherever upload it to whatever system. So now with 5G, those cameras would be pretty much real time, wouldn't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. In a, in a first responder type of incident on any kind of bus, whether it's a school bus or, or public transit, there's always going to be a period of time where we can't see what's happening, um, right? In the older styles of, of these networks where it's just being recorded locally and, and then viewed later on. Uh, now we can actually have these connections all the way back to a dispatch. And, and somebody uh, in that first responder network can actually view the videos live and make sure that the right people are being called upon to go to that incident. And uh, so it's, it makes the response time far, far uh, more rapid, which can save lives. And so it's, you know, there's, once you get this type of capability, you know, we can even do things, uh, not just connecting to the right police department, but you know, maybe even do some remote triage and so forth uh, with medical personnel that before it just wasn't a possibility. But with these kind of bandwidths, uh, we can do that now. What is it that you would say to a transportation director or somebody who was looking into this where 5G either isn't available or is kind of spotty in that particular area? Because I know that the networks are expanding constantly, but I also know that there are some areas where that coverage just isn't available. Is this still a viable solution for those transportation directors? It is. Um, the networks are being built out very rapidly. There's massive growth amongst all the carriers still uh, building out 5G. Um, 
but these routers are all backwards compatible. So assuming that you buy something uh, that's a 5G router inside of your, your vehicle and you roam out of that 5G coverage and it's now just LTE, uh, the networks will automatically seamlessly roam between the two. And so you'll be able to take advantage of the 5G networks where they're available and then you'll be um, automatically put onto the LTE network where the 5G network isn't available. And 5G is a term that's really about the the way we communicate packets from a router up to the tower and, and vice versa. Uh, but there's actually different flavors of 5G that really aren't that much faster than LTE uh, as far as the, the overall speed. But there are things inside of 5G that we can do um, that we can't do in LTE. So it's not just about the speed. Um, and when we're talking about these, let's call them, uh, we call them lower band, but we could even say they're slower band 5G networks. Uh, people are like, well, if it's the same speed as LTE, why would I bother with it? What does it matter? Um, we can actually do some prioritization of services to a customer that we couldn't do before in LTE. So even though the speeds may not always be as as fast as we would want them to be, uh, or think they might be under 5G, the amount of, of capacity that I'm able to guarantee to a specific customer is higher. And so these are just some of the other benefits to, to 5G, but just because you're in a 5G network doesn't mean you're always gonna be at some huge speed. And then when we are roaming out into LTE networks, that you won't see a difference um, as far as connectivity, but you will see you know, a slower speed overall as you roam back into the LTE networks. But these are all being rapidly uh, transitioned over to 5G. And that backwards compatibility, it doesn't work the opposite way. If you have an LTE router that you install, you can't just upload some new software or push a button and have it connect to 5G, Correct. Correct. Yeah, it's a different modem. It's a completely new way for the modems uh, to actually talk to the tower. And so unfortunately, you can't, uh, you can't software upgrade from LTE to 5G. Uh, it's kind of like with Wi-Fi that we all have in our house. If you have a Wi-Fi access point from 15 years ago, uh, it might work. It's just going to be slow, and but it's it'll still work. Um, and unfortunately, there you can't just you know, put a new software load on your home router and, and make it you know a lot faster uh, because of some new technology. The the radios themselves are physically different. And one of the neat things with with five G is uh, you actually have something called MIMO, which allows multiple streams of information to be traveling. Um, between the tower and that router in the in the car or the the bus or train um, simultaneously, whereas before under LTE and prior forms of cellular, there's really just one stream going up and one stream going down, and um, and so you were limited to how much data you could really put in that single stream. So with MIMO, I can actually put a lot more. I can double or even quadruple the amount of, of bandwidth by uh, by using multiple input and multiple output. That's what MIMO stands for um, at the exact same time. So it's, it allows a lot more, but now I need multiple antenna elements. And that's why it's a, there's a physical change in the modem. And you touched upon something that I wanted to bring back around. You talked about it's not just all about speed. It's about capacity and it's about reliability. Exactly. So remember back in the LTE days when you would be in a, in a congested area, uh, say back all of, you know, three years ago, and 
you would be in a congested area, maybe you're at a, you know, a football game or near a concert or something, and, and you would really struggle getting onto the network um, and, and keeping connections. With, with 5G, the carrier now has the ability to take slices of, of frequency and, and guarantee access or higher qualities of service to different types of customers and different types of traffic. And that's something that will greatly enhance the network usage for for customers. So you have a far less probability of, of being dropped in these congested time periods. And for our government customers and um, and enterprise customers, uh, they can be they can carry a higher level of, of priority over, let's say, somebody who might just be trying to serve Facebook or something that's not a high priority. Uh, we have that ability now to uh, to control the bandwidth a lot better than we did uh, with LTE. So especially in a transit authority or public safety uh, type of customer, you know, we can, using regular frequencies and regular uh, cellular networks, I can actually give a much more consistent level of network uh, quality than I could before. So it allows me to do certain things that I would have been scared potentially to do before. So a transit authority, um, you know, that has an office where maybe they're selling, that's where you go to get your pass or whatever it might be. Uh, you can actually have that office connected to the wireless WAN and feel extremely confident that it's going to be up all the time. Whereas maybe 10 years ago, I would be a little scared to do that on a, on a cellular network because... We didn't view them as always on and, and reliable. Now with 5G, we feel that way. They're consistently on, consistently reliable, and uh, and now you can you can run mission critical business on them, whether it's fixed or mobile. And it seems like Cradle Point has really embraced this advance in technology and done a lot of work to try to bring these devices to the public sector. That's what my team exists for, right? Is uh, we work with with all sorts of different types of of customers and municipalities, transit authorities, police departments, EMT, fire. It's it's really about providing connectivity uh, where you need it. And the cool thing about cellular in general is I can I can be almost anywhere uh, now and and have cellular connectivity. And so if I can if I can get some form of cellular connectivity, I can I can put a router there and get some form of WAN access, a wireless WAN connection. Um, so let's take a DMV in a, in an area that's growing rapidly and we need to put more offices out. It's actually very common now for, for motor vehicle departments to, to put trailers out. And if you can get power to the trailer, we can get that trailer up and running immediately with wireless WAN. Whereas if they needed fiber pulled which is the traditional way of doing that, it might take them six weeks or three months before their carrier could actually get the fiber pulled to where this trailer is now sitting in a parking lot. But with wireless LAN, I can get it connected immediately and they can be up and running within a, you know, a day. A huge change. I have to think that your team has seen several successful deployments of this type of technology. Can you give us a few more of those and really kind of let us know why it is that they went with Cradle Point as their solution? Yeah. So we've got, it. it's interesting in, in transit, we do extremely well and, uh, and we're kind of this kind of, you know, hidden element to, to transit authorities that 
um, that most people don't recognize. Um, so from very, very large deployments like New York City's MTA, uh, if you go to New York and you ride on one of the buses or ride on one of the trains, you're going to be using Cradle Point. Um, if you are in Chicago and you ride on the Chicago transit uh, vehicles and you go and you pay with your your iPhone, that's going to traverse across uh, Cradle Point. But it's not just the big ones. We're in you know, thousands of regional transit authorities, uh, some like Hampton Roads or Greensboro, North Carolina, to you know, Tampa and Orlando. If you ride a bus in Orlando, either Disney or the city of Orlando, you're going to be using Cradle Point. Um, so it's we're an integral part of literally thousands of transit authority networks. Um, School buses have been a really interesting deployment uh, for us over the last year because of some federal money that, that we're running kind of at the tail end of right now, a program called ECF. You never know what student is going to be sitting on a bus and maybe the student doesn't have reliable internet access at home. And that hour long bus ride, which unfortunately is very common, uh, is the only time of the day that they have to get their their internet access to, to do their homework or maybe do a little research. And while they're sitting on that bus, they're researching something and they're, they're watching science videos on YouTube and they get inspired to, you know, to study more about physics because of some cool video they saw. And, and now you're talking about somebody who might become the next, you know, Albert Einstein or, you know, incredibly important physicist because they were able to see something and be inspired on a long bus ride home. And we had a little part to do with that. I think it's it's fantastic. It makes it makes us feel good about what we do, and you know it's uh, it's a lot more than just a sale at that point. It's it's genuinely affecting people's lives. We saw during the pandemic there were so many school systems that wanted to send devices to students, but if the students can't do anything but stare at the device because it can't connect to the internet. Now that students are going back into the classroom, like you said, that time on the bus, and it varies. Like you said, you have those 40 to 45 minute to hour long bus rides. Now you have productive time. It's not just watching TikTok videos. It's really about giving students that additional time and that additional way to connect their devices and give them that time to do research or homework, downloads, pretty much anything. And that all can be done right on the bus. Absolutely. It's great. Excellent. So Ben, I'd just like to ask, is there anything else that you would like to add? We're a company that sells uh, our solutions with partners, right? We, we build fantastic routers that, that have this, this amazing software that really controls everything and makes it easy to manage. But our partners are, are incredibly critical to, to what we do um, because we typically aren't the ones that design these networks and install these networks uh, with our customer. We're involved, but, uh, but it's our partners like daily that, uh, that really are, are the, the, the piece that makes our, our networks work. And so we just want to say, we appreciate very much what you guys do. We at daily definitely appreciate our partners like cradle point because it is your work that allows us to offer the comprehensive solutions that people, again, may not think about when they think of daily. And this is definitely one solution that falls into that bucket. So we really do appreciate the partnership. Ben, thank you so much for joining the Technology Pulse today. Again, this was 
amazing information that you've shared really gave me a lot of insight and hopefully our listeners as well. So thanks again for joining us. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate it. It was great. Time to wrap things up for another episode. The Daily Technology Pulse podcast is brought to you by Daily Computers, Inc. That's our official name. No portion of this podcast can be reproduced or used without our expressed written consent. If you want to learn more about Daily, visit our website at www.daily.com or call us 800-955-3259. You can also email us at solutions at daily.com. Putting a pin in the board until the next episode, this is Rick from Daily saying thanks so much for joining us and have yourself a fantastic day.